Hello everyone, and welcome to You Scared of This, a weekly podcast where we watch every episode of Nickelodeon's hit horror anthology series for kids from the 90s, Are You Afraid of the Dark?, and try to determine whether or not it is still scary. I am one of your co-hosts, my name is Eli Phillips. With me as always is my very best friend, David Dykus. Dykus, how you doing? Hey yo, uh, I'm doing alright Eli, how are you? Tired. Same here! Eli and I are both coming off of working several very long days in a row, so you're going to sense during this episode that there is a lack of energy. But I just want to clarify, it's not because we're exhausted, it's because this episode was very mediocre. (laughs) (laughs) But we will get into that later. Yes. Is there anything that we need to cover that has happened between the tale of what the fuck was that episode with the terrifying water monster and this board piece of shit? Dead Man's Float. Dead Man's Float, yeah. Anything between Dead Man's Float, oh my god, and Jagged Sign. Uh, well, I went to the dentist today for the first time in three years. What was that like? Well, my teeth hurt really badly, but apparently I don't have any cavities. Did he give you, like, any sort of treat? They gave me a bag with a fresh toothbrush in it. Mmm. It was not very tasty. Did they have a magic eye on the ceiling? Oh, no, I wish. Did you... No, they just had it on some bizarre travel channel show. That sounds awful. That was my only form of, of distraction and entertainment. That sounds absolutely awful. Yep. That's why I haven't gone to the dentist for the past three years up until today. Yeah, that's a good reason. Every dentist office I call from now on, uh, I'm just going to be like, yeah, do you guys have any magic eye posters on the ceiling? And if they say no, I'm just going to hang up without explanation. No, sir, you're going to have to provide your own. (laughs) That's the alternative, too, is that I just order one off of Amazon and, like, go to the dentist and plaster one up on my own. Someday, when virtual reality is, is more ubiquitous... Uh, they'll just strap one on you as soon as you can, as, as soon as you get in the dentist chair, and it'll just be a, a series of magic eye paintings. See, if the dentist were smart, they would put a VR headset on you and then just put you on a roller coaster so you'd start screaming. <laughs> he turns it on, and then says, they'll be jerking your head oh. back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> Million dollar idea. Yeah, this is great. Uh, okay, cool. So you went to the dentist. Um, man, that yeah. is tragically more exciting than anything i have done i mean i'm spending like every day at summer camp so that's kind of fun i mean you're you're a regular buttnik or you're a regular ug for a a whole generation of austin kids yeah actually i'm really nothing like ug today my kids were singing my praise so that's kind of great like i'm having a fun summer at summer camp but otherwise boring week so we should move on to more exciting things like nick news Yes, let's talk about some Nick news. I I very quickly skimmed the internet for some Nick news before we got started. Uh, Not a whole lot to report. Are you kidding? Oh man, you missed some stuff. The only noteworthy thing that I saw was uh, several Nickelodeon shows are being banned in Kenya for allegedly promoting homosexuality, which is unfortunate. Other than that, I didn't see anything that looked terribly relevant to us. What did you find? Uh, Nickelodeon announced that they were going to be making a Spongebob Squarepants stop motion for Halloween. Pass. No, thank you. All right. Do you remember the music video that was like this neon puppet in a graveyard that I watched when we were in college called The Mysterious Moe's? Now if your path at midnight dark by a graveyard goes and someone whistles, why that's Mysterious Moe's. It was this like old vinyl kind of ragtime sounding song with this old timey music and this weird lanky puppet doing a dance it was very much in the vein of like that silly symphonies with the skeletons only it's with neon puppets it had a really like 60s look to it like if rankin and bass did a puppet show 
set in one of the swamps from Scooby-Doo, starring the scariest humanoid Muppet. That's what this music video was. Well, unfortunately, I'm, I'm unable to look up this music video. Okay, so it was great. Um, I will post it on the Facebook page. Everyone check it out. The company that made that is making all of the puppets and doing the production work for this SpongeBob Halloween. And I think they did the Christmas one as well. They do a lot of puppet productions, and uh, that makes me very excited. For those for our, our listeners who don't know, I'm a big fan of puppets. It's true. Yeah. It's sad but true. Sad? Oh, man. I kid. <laughs> That's one piece of Nick news. The other one is that there is a lot of attention being given to a fan film that is... I guess a reboot of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yes, we need to mention this. I, I It had slipped my mind. We were made aware by a fan on Facebook, whoever you are. Uh, it was a friend of mine, uh, Aaron. Aaron made us aware of uh, a fan film that is in development that, like you said, is a, a reboot or some sort of reinterpretation or reimagining of Are You Afraid of the Dark. Yeah, and there aren't really any details out right now beyond that. Um it's just this fan film that's being funded on Indiegogo, I guess, and they're going to make an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Maybe a short film, maybe an episode, maybe a TV show, or not, maybe, excuse me, maybe a movie, something. I know that sounds vague, but this at least has more credibility to it than that last crowd-funded thing that we tried to promote on here. <laughs> yeah, that thing didn't work that out That bizarre, like... We won't tell you what it's about until you give us money. The mystery box thing, yeah. That was terrible. The mystery box. No, this is... Fuck that. This is going to be called The Tale of the Ghostly Guest. It is also going to be coming out this Halloween, so this October we'll have a lot of things to look forward to. And it's just by a couple of, like, amateur filmmakers, or maybe they're... Maybe they work in the film industry. I don't know. We'll talk more about it as we get more information. I've reached out to them, actually, so hopefully we'll get to talk to them. Yeah, hopefully we will be able to give you a more in-depth uh, preview of what that's going to be somewhere down the road. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully we get to talk to them before it comes out. Stay tuned for more of that. And, oh, the other thing that we need to talk about, which was also posted on our wall, is the fact that um, someone posted an article that was an interview with M. Night Shyamalan where he is asked about, are you afraid of the dark? Because... As we have discussed with several people, um, there's the rumor that Tale of the Dream Girl inspired The Sixth Sense. Well, yes. as it turns out, M. Night Shyamalan claims that he's never heard of Are You Afraid of the Dark before. Bullshit. Who hasn't even heard of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, he would have been in his 20s, I guess, when the show premiered, right? He was writing 10 Things I Hate About You and, like... Stuart Little? Didn't he write the screenplay for that? Oh, yeah, I think he did. Uh, but anyway, this article is an interview with him where he says that he's never heard of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And that The Sixth Sense started when he imagined a boy sitting on the stairs at a funeral that he was at. He was at a funeral, and he there was a boy sitting there, and I guess he imagined the boy talking to someone. And he said, well, who would they be talking to? And then he thought, what if it's a ghost? And that was sort of the, the origin story that he said. It. He said it all germinated from that idea and that he'd never heard of the show. And so, you know, the only, like, substance that this rumor has ever had was the idea that somewhere in history he had said that it had been his inspiration. And now that he's saying he's never even seen the show, there's literally zero evidence. 
we I think we had talked about that before. We may have even played a role in perpetuating that uh, that myth. But according to the man himself, he allegedly never heard of Are You Afraid of the Dark? So I guess that myth is busted. Yeah. Uh, the only other Nickelodeon news that I could find is an article that came out, I think, today where Drake and Josh of Drake and Josh are having a Twitter feud because Josh got married and didn't invite Drake to the wedding and Drake ranted about it on Twitter. So if that means anything to anyone, there you go. I'm going to actively discourage our listeners from researching that. (laughs) Do Do not acknowledge Drake or Josh. I think that's plenty of Nick news for one week. I think we ended up having a lot more than I expected. Yeah, so now let's get into this episode. Yes, the tale of the Jagged Sign. Which last week we talked about being kind of a boring or, like, vague title, I guess. But after I watched the episode, I decided I kind of liked it. Really? Because I hated it. No. Because it was totally misleading for reasons that we'll get into shortly. Yeah, we can talk We can talk about it more after. But uh, I just want to upfront say I did soften on that. I feel like this is going to be one of those episodes where you disparage it and I defend it a lot. I Well, when you say that, I have a feeling you're going to be right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get right into it. The Tale of the Jagged Sign is the 54th episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's the second episode of season five. Uh, which should mean that it's a Stig episode, but as we referenced last week, it's not. This is a Kiki story. Uh, it first aired on November 4th, 1995. It was directed by Will Dixon, who wrote Stig's episode, The Tale of the Dead Man's Float, but this episode was written by longtime show writer Susan Kim. Yes, so do we want to go ahead and just get right into the recap? Yeah, uh, we can start around the campfire with the Midnight Society. I actually really enjoy this Midnight Society opening. I did, too. There were actually a lot of points here where I laughed. But something I didn't laugh at was the first shot, where it is revealed that Stig is still there. <laughs> and my first note that I have written is, oh, God, Stig is still there. I like that Thankfully you make it they sound as though he bagged. never left. Like, Stig has just been in the woods the whole time. It's it's very possible. Uh, yeah, Stig is still wearing the bag over his head, and everyone's looking at him like he's an idiot. Because he looks like an idiot. Yeah, like, there's no reason to keep the bag over his head at this point. He knows what the Midnight Society campfire looks like. He took off the bag and told the whole story. But uh, Tucker explains that Stig is not going to come out until the Midnight Society accepts him for who he is. Does that mean he's going to (laughs) tell his next story with the bag over his head? We'll find out in a week. I, I will not object to that if he does. Everyone thinks he's being dumb. And uh, and they are correct. And they are correct. And so we quickly move on. Kiki's like, whatever, fuck this. Let's get to my story. And Kiki does probably one of the better introductions that we've had in a while. Yeah, Kiki says that she's been reading about symbols and she's going to tell a story about symbols. Tucker sneaks in a pretty funny joke at this, at this phrasing. I got my idea from a book on symbols. Like in a band? <laughs> Short book. Yeah, that would not have been a funny joke without the pretty short book comment (laughs) it's funny because it's they're such a simple instrument (laughs) um kiki looks at him like she wants to kill him and actually when she corrects him and says no symbols like signs like icons it cuts back to tucker and he makes a face like he genuinely thought she meant the instrument like he looks (laughs) he looks like he has been made to realize he is a moron (laughs) 
that was a nice touch i didn't catch that yeah his his reaction there like and maybe part of it is that he's kind of grown up more and he has a more adult face so all of his emotions look more serious but he he looks like someone just ripped his heart out uh kiki ignores all of this and continues and she's talking about all of the different symbols that we use in life and we get a really good joke here too because kiki starts drawing symbols in the dirt with a stick she's like symbols could look like this and she draws a peace sign and then she says or they could look like this and she draws what's the second one i don't remember it's the nwo logo and then she says or they could look like this and she draws a smiley face and she goes and we would all know what they mean (laughs) and then she looks at stig and says unless you have a bag over your head (laughs) yeah good one kiki (laughs) I was very proud of Kiki. She's got all of Frank's bite in this episode. Mm -hmm. So she says that she was thinking about symbols and how we all know what they mean. But what would it be like if you saw a symbol and you didn't know what it meant? She said maybe it could mean something good. Like, hey, there's a party happening tonight. But maybe it could mean something bad. Like, watch out, you're going to fucking die. Or I'm a ghost. And she starts to draw a symbol in the dirt. Dacus, how would you describe this symbol? Not jagged. It's kind of wavy. I would say it looks like a very stylized Greek letter Sigma. I thought it looked like the top of the Batman logo without the ears. Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Like if the bat head was replaced by just like a little bulb. And so she draws this symbol in the dirt, which I also appreciated. I like that she's sort of incorporating her story into the Midnight Society segment, which I don't know if Kiki has done as much as everyone else. She's taken pictures and done a few things, but typically that's not really her jam. Uh, But she does all of this and she introduces... The tale of the jagged sign. All right, Eli, let's let's kick off this tale. Stop me if you've heard this one before. We are introduced to a kid who's going to spend the summer with her relatives. And yeah, they are she, not cool. She is staying with her aunt, who seems pretty old to be her aunt. But she's staying, I guess it's her mom or dad's older sister. Maybe oldest sister. And uh, this woman is the owner of a boarding house for old people. It's not necessarily an old folks home, but it is specifically a home for old folks. We should mention our first young protagonist's name is Claudia. Yeah. And she's not and at yes, all excited about this. Claudia is going to spend a few weeks with her very elderly aunt uh, in her boarding home full of old people. And she is not looking forward to it. Yeah, so this has some kind of frozen ghost vibes to it. Like, it's an old house in the woods. Um, not in the woods, but like, yeah. Maybe. It's like... Yeah, yeah, because they basically live next to a national park. Yeah. Uh, So it's boring, it's full of old people, and Claudia encounters a few of them. There are some fart jokes made, which I kind of liked. Go on, eat the Brussels sprouts, I told them. But don't say I didn't warn you when the guy starts acting up. And then she stumbles (laughs) upon... uh, What's the woman's name? Marjorie? Marjorie. Marjorie, yes. Butter. Or Margarine? It's Marjorie. Let's call her Marge. Yeah. Stumbles upon Marge. And Marge is this old woman who is holding a music box of with, like, two porcelain doves on top of it. She's just listening Turtle to the music doves. and staring off when she, she kind of accidentally sneaks up, I guess, on Claudia and scares the poop out of her. Claudia's like, what's with that old woman? And her aunt says, ah, oh, she's fine. She just gets forgetful every now and then. And as she's walking off... I- Cla- what? I just want to mention that during this scene, Claudia peeks into her room to examine this music box with the doves, and Marjorie manages to scare her by just reaching out and touching her hair. That yeah. works for us, the audience, because we see Marjorie reach into frame when we didn't see her before. But, like, 
from the girl's point of view, from Claudia's point of view, she would have been sitting right there. <laughs> I made a note about that. Yeah, I, it's like they're just in this old woman's bedroom. So it's not like Marjorie could have snuck up on her. Um, yeah. Mar- Marjorie was just like standing there looking at her music box. But because she was slightly out of frame of the camera, for some reason, Claudia didn't notice her. I do have an answer to this, though. Okay. Enchantment. No, I'm not, I don't buy it. Okay, well then, fuck it. Uh, yeah, so Marjorie says that she used to have hair just like Claudia's. She freaks Claudia out. And Claudia's aunt says, ah, she just gets confused sometimes. Don't worry about her. And ushers Claudia out of the room. That's when the aunt says, hey, don't worry. You're not going to have to hang out with all these old people all the time. There's a girl who lives across the street. I told her you were coming. Two of you are going to hang out. Yeah, we meet our second young protagonist named Kate. Yeah. Kate introduces herself, and she and Claudia become fast friends. They go off to explore the nearby woods together. They're going to go explore some of the trails and uh, go hiking. And while they are out on the trails, they wander off the beaten path for a moment, and Claudia sees something that catches her attention, a giant cliff poking out above the trees. They go over to examine it, and they discover, painted on the side of it, the titular jagged sign. Which is the same symbol that Kiki drew in the dirt before she started her tale. Yeah, it's painted on the side of the cliff in, like, this big white stroke. Which brings me to my first major problem with this episode. Okay. This is neither jagged nor a sign. <laughs> yeah, it's more like, like you said, it's a wavy symbol. But I guess the wavy symbol does not make a good title for an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> the only thing that could have been less intimidating than the jagged sign. <laughs> Submitted for the approval of Midnight Society, I call this story, Whoosh, the tale of the wavy symbol. Stig rips the bag off of his face, and he's like, you let her in? <laughs> Gary's like, whoa, 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 we gotta workshop this just a minute. The wavy symbol? <laughs> it's a, it's not a jagged sign. You are absolutely right. It's kind of jagged on the ends, where, like, the bat wings are, but the middle of because it- Because it's a line! It has to end at some point! <laughs> like, mm. they call it a jagged sign because it's slightly askew, like it's tilted at maybe a 15 degree angle- it's definitely got some acute angles on the corners there. Anyway, that was just... I, I was irrationally upset about that. Anyway, they examine this symbol, and Kate tells Claudia that they shouldn't be playing around this cliff. There are all kinds of urban legends surrounding the cliff, that it was a burial site, that there was a murder here, that it causes people to commit suicide. <laughs> I actually loved this moment. This reminded me of when you and I were kids in Kentucky, and we would go hunting down all of the sites of these like, legends from our hometown. I enjoy this scene a lot, too, for the same reason. And it really yeah. builds up the suspense uh, of what is the mystery stuff. of this giant cliff. Anyway, this reminded me of our childhoods or our young adulthoods when we would go wandering around looking for that stuff, so I was really into it. Kate's freaked out. She's spilling all of these, like, random legends that are all disconnected from each other. But she says, if you stare at the thing too long enough, you'll summon the ghost, and maybe he'll hypnotize you into jumping off of the cliff. Uh, Claudia thinks this is all bullshit, and so she just continues to stare at the damn thing like she's trying to summon the Candyman. And sure enough, a friggin' ghost appears. <laughs> Claudia just says, if it's so dangerous, how did that guy get up there? <laughs> and lo and behold, there is a man up at the top of the cliff who is 100% definitely a ghost. It's one of our sepia tone ghosts, where he's wearing like an old-fashioned yep. like 1800s white button-up shirt trousers and brown overalls he's got messy hair he's pale and he has dark circles under his eyes this guy is basically like the grown-up version of the frozen ghost 
He's like the frozen ghost in that he just looks at them from afar. Yeah. And he kind of beckons them forward. And, of course, they both scream and run away. We don't get a scream take per se, but they both run back to the house. I totally thought we were going to get a commercial break here. Like, first ghost appearance? Seems appropriate. Not yet. They go back. Claudia's aunt sees them running back, and they tell them, oh, we went to the cliff, and there was a ghost there. And she says, oh, don't play there. It's dangerous. There's no such thing as ghosts, blah, blah, blah. At that moment, the fire alarm in the boarding house goes off, and they all run inside. And poor old Marjorie has nearly burned the house down trying to, it looks like, cook a big Tupperware bowl in a waffle iron. I thought this was such a sad moment. They have, like, a single electric, like, stovetop eye. Well, it's just, it's like a single eye that you plug in. And she's taken a plastic bowl and tried to cook some soup in it. And it's melted all over the eye. Uh, the ant runs in and has to, like, knock it off of the eye and blow all the smoke away. And Marjorie's just standing there looking sad and confused. And this scene was, like, very real to me. Yeah, the actress they have playing Marjorie is, I'm just going to say, very old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but does a really good job of playing that kind of, of character who's, like, in the early stages of dementia. It's a very affecting performance. Oh, oh, I was just making some soup, and then all of a sudden all this smoke. Oh, I'm sorry, Ivano. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay, Marjorie. It's okay. Now, you go on. We'll take care of this. <laughs> it's not like hammy or over the top. This isn't like they've cast someone to act like Betty White. Um, yeah, she's just very quietly sad and confused, and yeah. it, I found it to be very affecting. It is. They like you said, they never play it for laughs. Yeah, which I respect them for. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this bowl of soup gets knocked over, and the aunt is all stressed out. She says. You guys stay close to the house. I don't want you going out because uh, I don't have to worry about you while I'm also worrying about all the old farts. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the point where we cut to Claudia in bed? Um, yeah. So that night, Claudia is in bed and we get an exact replica of the scene from the frozen ghost. Yep. The ghost stands yep. outside her window and says, I'm old. I mean, he might as well because it's the, like you said, the exact same thing. She's looking out her window down at the... At this ghost standing in the yard who just looks up at her, he beckons. He doesn't say, I'm cold, but he does transform into mist and fog up her window. Yeah. And what does he draw on her foggy window? The NWO sign. No, I wish. (laughs) He draws... But he writes it on one side and she's on the other, so she thinks it's the One Warrior Nation. She thinks it says (laughs) OWN. Oh, look, he's back! One Warrior Nation! Oh, that is a deep cut. <laughs> hardcore WCW reference. No, he draws the, the titular jagged sign. Yeah. And this is when we cut to the commercial break. Just when you thought you had all the merchandise the NWO had to offer? No, you're wrong! The NWO for life shirt! Sweet. Get your NWO for life t-shirt for only 20 bucks. Just call 1-800-NWO-0242. Fly the new colors, new world order. Look what we added. Life. The preceding announcement has been paid for by the new world order. So at this point, we've come back from the commercial break. But for a moment, I want to rewind because I want to talk about the scene leading up to that. You know, we sell it short. We say that it's exactly like the frozen ghost. This scene starts with Claudia in her bed. She hears a noise. She looks down her hall and there's a shadow coming towards her from down the hall. And it's just an old lady. And the old lady looks into her room and says, couldn't sleep. 
Maybe some milk will help. And then she walks on. And that's when Claudia sees the ghost. That's when he draws the symbol in the window. That's when we get the commercial break. But what I want to talk about is like the moment that could have been because I thought they were going to do a very modern sort of jump scare where Claudia sees someone walking down the hall, says, thinks it's a ghost, finds out it isn't a ghost, lays back down, and then a ghost just stands in her doorway. I totally thought that was what was going to happen. And the first time I watched this, I actually felt a little bit of dread at the idea of a silhouette standing in her doorway while she has her back to it in bed. I fucking hate those moments. You're right. That would have been awesome. That was a missed opportunity. Yeah. like it They would have never been... play this ghost for scares. And I think they're missing a trick there, right? Yeah. Oh, again, that's a scene that is, that could have been so scary. I got scared thinking it might happen. And then they just like screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah, that's and, and the scene of her looking at the lady who's going down for some milk, it's I mean, I guess that's them trying to like subvert your expectations, but it ends up being so pointless. Yeah, and I feel like that's happening a lot with this episode with Will Dixon is that there are these moments written into it or built into it that could be funny or could be scary and he's kind of missing the mark on all of them. Even when yeah. she sees the ghost and we get our commercial break, it doesn't even feel like they dramatic appropriate moment to cut away there's just not enough tension built up somehow very rarely is there any tension until the big climactic moment of this episode which what are you gonna do yeah so the next morning uh claudia is at the breakfast table she's surrounded by all of these people they're having their oatmeal and kate comes over kate asks her what's what happened claudia tells her about the ghost from the night before and then their aunt says hey, can I get the two of you to help me? I decided after what happened yesterday that I was going to call Marjorie's son. And he said that she needs to go to a place that can actually take care of her dementia, a place with doctors. They're going to move her into an actual rest home facility. So she asks them to help pack up some of Marjorie's things that they're going to take to the thrift store. While they're loading boxes into the car, they find a few things of importance. Claudia finds the porcelain dove music box that had them both so enchanted earlier in the episode. And she walks back into the room and hands it to Marjorie. And she says, hey, I know this is old, but I wondered if it had sentimental value or, or something. And that's when they both hear something outside the window. They look out the window, and there's the ghost again. And they both gasp, and he beckons for them. Claudia is done with this shit, so at this point, like, she's ready to resolve this conflict she bolts down the yes. stairs and starts chasing that ghost into the woods she even knocks over the old guy that was making fart jokes earlier i thought he was gonna die <laughs> it would have been funny if they edited in a fart sound when he hit the stairs i was about to say she, she pushes this guy like almost down the stairs i wanted desperately for him to like fall on his ass and there be a loud fart and so while claudia is doing this kate makes another discovery which is a huge chunk of marjorie's hair <laughs> Yeah, she finds in a, a box. She finds a lock of hair, and Claudia's aunt explains that people used to give locks of their hair to their significant others, and that she must have had a guy, and she had hair just like Claudia's. <laughs> this must have been from the time before gifts were invented. <laughs> Here, have my shower leavings. <laughs> they... It's a lock of my pubes. <laughs> oh God! Has anyone ever made that joke? Like, I'm imagining a joke where, like, a bald man gives a woman a lock of his hair. 
The woman what? looks very flattered for a second, but then <laughs> comprehension dawns on her face. And, and then there's like one of those like Mr. Clean style like ding sparkles off of his head and she just shudders. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about? So she finds this lock of hair. The aunt explains, oh, yeah, she must have had a guy. They must have been pretty serious. That's what people did. Uh, and then they find a photo. They Marjorie. find a picture of a young Marjorie with Ghost Man. Yeah. So it's young Marjorie and Ghost Man in black and white in the woods looking happy together. And uh, they talk about They how... look so unhappy in this picture. <laughs> uh, Kate talks to Claudia's aunt about how this girl looks exactly like Claudia. Like you could confuse them for each other. And the aunt is like, oh yeah, she does. They look just alike. So Kate takes the photo upstairs to Marjorie, and Marjorie gives her this massive exposition dump. We learn Marjorie's tragic backstory, that she had a boyfriend when she was young, but their romance was forbidden by their two families. They tried to elope. And her parents stopped her. But Marjorie was caught by her parents, and she ended up, what am I trying to say here? Having a a Uh, Craigslist-style missed connection. Yeah. Uh, Her boyfriend whose name is Joshua, did not know what was going on. He was waiting for Claudia at their secret spot, which just happens to be the cliff from earlier. And he was so distraught. Just an aside here, I thought this story was going to to end with Josh casting himself off the cliff to show everyone how much he loved her. I was excited about that. I was too! I was like, wow, they're going in a really bold direction with this. Yeah. Turns out that was not the case. He was waiting for her so that they could elope, Her parents stopped her while he was waiting at their secret spot on the cliffs. He had decided he was going to tell the whole world how much he loved her by drawing a symbol of their love. And he starts to draw a symbol and then he falls off the cliff and dies. Yep. He just slipped and fell like like an idiot. So Kate decides she's going to go tell all of this to Claudia and she's going to tell Claudia, hey, I think this ghost guy is in love with you because you look like Marjorie did when she was young and she can't find Claudia anywhere. Uh, Grandpa Toots says, yeah, she pushed me over while she was running outside. Looked like she was heading into the woods. So Kate knows exactly where to find her. Yes, Claudia, of course, has gone to the cliff. She's climbing up. She's going to confront the ghost about all this. Uh, But she loses her footing and almost falls all the way off the cliff. Oh, no. She grabs a handful of roots sticking out of the rock and manages to hang on. This is an interesting scene for a couple of reasons. One it's pretty well done as far as like the visuals of it, like seeing her hanging off that cliff. I totally believed that she was in peril. It wasn't an yeah. overly dramatic moment. It was a perfectly realistic grounded situation that a person could get in. You know, there weren't crocodiles below her. The camera didn't do the zoom in and out. Like she's Wiley Coyote. This is just a girl on a cliff. And as I was watching it, I was thinking, man, I wonder how they filmed that. Like, I wonder how high up she actually was. Cause it's all practical effects. Um, so I liked that part of it. But the other thing to note is it's totally inconsequential. It's only there to sort of add this fake dramatic tension. Like her falling off of that cliff, I guess, is meant to mirror him falling off of the cliff, but it doesn't actually happen. She's just hanging there until Kate comes and rescues her. Yeah, it's like they got to the third act of this story and they just needed something suspenseful to happen because otherwise this was not a very suspenseful episode. Yeah. Kate manages to overcome her fear of the cliff. She she really takes her time, but she eventually climbs to the top and rescues Claudia. We see a few rocks get kicked down from where Claudia was hanging, and I'm just going to say, this was not a long fall. Claudia probably could have just let go. I don't know. She might have fucked herself up. But then again, 
I was friends with a guy in high school. We used to go like on these camping trips where we would go rock climbing, and he fell down like half a mountain and lived through it. So now that I think about it, maybe she would have been okay. I don't know how Joshua managed to die, actually. Speak of the devil, Joshua shows up, and this time, instead of just pantomiming towards him, he actually decides to talk, and he says, I waited for you, Marjorie. Why did you take so long to come? Don't you love me? Claudia explains, I'm not Marjorie. Marjorie has been living in a boarding home for the last hundred years. <laughs> uh, yeah, just pining for you. Something like that. He's like, uh, I waited for you. Why didn't you come to me? Don't you love me? I thought you loved me. And Kate says, she did love you. Her parents wouldn't let her come to you. She's been pining for you all this time. And she pulls out of her backpack the music box with the two doves. And she says, she looks at this thing like every friggin' day just to remind her of you. She never stopped loving you. She never loved anyone else. And he goes, oh shit, she did love me? Cool. And then he just frickin' disappears. He disappears, and as he vanishes, the symbol on the rock is completed. The girls look, and the alleged jagged sign... It's a dove. Yeah, it was the top of a dove. So it really did look like the top of the Batman symbol, but without the ears. Uh, this painting of a dove appears, and the girls go, whoa! And then they look down below them, and they see Joshua and Marjorie as young people in their old-timey clothes start to walk off together, and then they like turn into balls of light and fade away and disappear straight to hell. Straight to hell. <laughs> and that that's confusing because Marjorie's that's... still alive, which is why immediately we get Kiki narrating. Well, not before we get one of the worst special effects in the history of the show. It was so strangely done. Uh, we zoom oh my in God. on the music box he... of the two doves and they tran- the music box transforms into two doves in possibly the worst computer-generated effect in the show that I've seen. It's just like there's a, a wipe grafted onto the, the shot. It wipes from the, the music box to the two actual doves that fly away. Yeah. It looks so bad. And as it's in happening... In an episode that, like you had mentioned, relies on a lot of practical effects... And had not been, like, cringeworthy up to that point to speak of, they ended on a really, really goofy note. Yeah, yeah, truly they did. As that's happening, uh, Kiki, we hear Kiki's narrating voiceover say that it was actually at that moment that Marjorie passed away, and everyone who was there... Joshua went to the boarding house and killed her. <laughs> like... So Joshua finds out she loved him, and then she drops dead. That's kind of fucked up. Joshua went and touched her with his icy black hand of death. He willed her to die. Uh, but Kiki says that when she died, everyone thought she looked like she was at peace, and they all assumed that was because she was going to a better place. Of course, we know that's not true, listeners. And Kiki oh, even knows yeah. it's true. She says that's not why she was at peace. She was at peace because she and Joshua were together in hell. In hell. <laughs> we cut back to the Midnight Society, and Kiki has finished drawing her jagged sign into a dove in the dirt, and everyone approves of it. They turn and look at Stig and say, well, what did he think? And he whispers in uh, Tucker's ear, and Tucker says, he says he can't breathe. <gasps> you can't breathe? 
and he pulls the bag off of Stig's head, and Stig is sweating and gasping like an idiot. <laughs> well, all that sitting down with a bag really wore him out. <laughs> the fact that he, like, whispers in Tucker's ear, I can't breathe, makes me feel like the peril that he was supposed to be in wasn't really earned or justified. Like, Tucker's like, oh my god, he can't breathe. But if it was that big of an issue, why did Stig lean over and whisper it into his ear? But it is announced that Stig will get his next shot at joining the Midnight Society next week. Yeah. They are tired of putting up with his antics. Yeah, and with that, the Midnight Society adjourns, they put out the fire, and we get the Rockin' Awesome theme song. Rockin' Awesome theme song. That was The Tale of the Jagged Sign, an episode that had a very misleading title, one really bad effect, and it was not at all scary. I know I'm jumping the gun here, we'll ask the question, but, ah, Eli, what do you think of this one? Um, I did like this episode better than you did. I thought that this was an episode that suffered in a few major ways. It suffered from poor acting, and it suffered from poor directing. I didn't think the story was necessarily a bad one, right? Like, the idea that... I mean, the plot of this episode is, there were two young lovers, they were supposed to meet up together and elope. One of their parents stopped them, and the other one thought they'd been rejected and fell to their death, and their tortured soul, who thought they died alone haunts the cliff where he died uh these two girls come to town solve that mystery and reunite an old person and a ghost that's not a bad are you afraid of the dark story plot wise it it's a very classic sort of are you afraid of the dark story if this had been directed by dj it would have probably been a very very distinct traditional story in the tale of or in in the vein of the lonely ghost the frozen ghost uh you know, like all of those unfinished business ghost story, two young protagonists solving a mystery while their parents are away mm-hmm. on vacation type things. Yeah. So I like all of that. I just think that there were some awkward beats. There were some poor delivery choices. I thought that this episode suffered from too much handheld camera work and that the yes, quality yes. seems cheap. I was going to say, I was going to touch on that also. I'm glad you picked on it too. A lot of this episode looks like an amateur home movie. Like, it was like someone trying to make an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, like a fan film in their backyard. It looked like a... Because there like are long stretches, PBS. especially when Kate and Claudia first meet each other and when they're exploring the mountain that are all shot off the shoulder. There's no tripod, nothing. And it looks it looks cheap. It doesn't look like there's there's no style to it. It's all very flat and it's all very shaky. It gen- it genuinely looks like it has all of the quality of a low budget episode of Wishbone. And I, I don't know why Will Dixon would would deliberately make that choice. Like it's not that doesn't complement this kind of story at all. It's no, not the fucking Blair Witch project. You asked why I liked this episode and I started complaining about it. Uh, I do think it has those problems, but I also do think it had a very classic sort of storyline to it. And I think that in better hands, this could have been a great episode. I think that anytime you have a ghost who doesn't speak, they just appear and like try to hint at some sort of unfinished business. Like they try to resolve their death and it's a mystery. I think there's the potential for really good scares there. The lonely ghost is not a scary ghost. She's a little girl and she shows up. I disagree. It's a, it's a scary execution, right? But like, She's no scarier than this dude who fell off of a cliff. It's just that her execution is scarier. And this is just a missed opportunity. My biggest problem with this episode is just how derivative it feels. You talked about how this is a classic episode 
I would say this feels more like kind of a lazy mishmash of elements we've seen before. This is an episode that takes a little bit of Lonely Ghost, a little bit of Frozen Ghost, a little bit of, you know, Room for Rent, Long Ago Locket, Shiny Red Bicycle. Like you said, all these unfinished business kind of stories, but it doesn't do anything new with them. This feels like something we've seen over and over and over again. And like those episodes, most of them were ones that we enjoyed at the time because like, I guess the idea of like the kind of sweet, you know, unfinished business ghost story felt original and novel when we saw it the first five or six times. This just felt like a bit of a rehash. I didn't yeah. hate it. I don't want to get give the impression that like this is the one of the worst episodes ever. But for the same reasons you said, there was a lot of very questionable directing in this episode. The acting was it wasn't bad, but it wasn't anything spectacular. And I just feel like I didn't gain a whole lot from watching this episode. This didn't I watched this episode twice. I took notes on this episode and I still barely remembered it. Yeah, I guess I defend this episode just because in my mind I'm trying to see what it could have been and I genuinely think it could have been a great episode. Um, you know, we've even touched on ways that it could have been better. Like there were obvious opportunities for scares, there were obvious opportunities for jokes. If this had been a story about a spurned love throwing himself off of a cliff and then staining yeah. that cliff with the symbol of his like heartbreak, all of that would have been new and interesting. Like they could have taken this episode in directions that felt good instead you know we've talked about how or we've questioned the possibility that the show is intentionally sort of skewing younger the longer it goes and this feels like that it feels like they've simplified this down and they've sort of washed all the scares out of it so you're getting the idea of a scary show without actually getting the scares that's what it feels like is happening here it's a real come down from last week's episode for sure (laughs) Yeah, a very stark contrast. Um, But that said, I didn't hate it either. You know, it's a C episode. Let's be really efficient about this one, since I feel like we're both going to have the same answer. Let's ask the question and answer it at the same time. Ready? Eli, you scared of this? No. All right, there you have it. Neither of us were scared of this. Let's move on and talk about next week. Next week, very sad episode. We're going to be getting our last stick story. Ever? Spoiler alert. It is, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> Next week, we're going to get the tale of Station 109.1. We- which is going to be a stick story, and it is going to be directed by our favorite, Mr. Ron Oliver. His first episode of Season 5. It's going to be written by Scott Peters, who we've sort of held in contempt. Well, if anyone can turn his chicken shit into chicken salad, it's Ron Oliver. Is that Hopefully. an actual saying, or did you just make that up? It's it's a variation of an actual, like, idiom. I'd never heard that, so I really enjoyed it. Uh, this episode is interesting because it has Ryan Gosling in it, uh, as well as Gilbert Gottfried and Jason Marsden, so... <laughs> the skies were dark that night in 1995, for all the stars were in the tale of Station 109.1. All in this episode. Uh, who did we talk to that is a fan of this episode? Was it Jose or maybe... Uh, ooh, I don't remember off the top of my head. If you were a fan of Station 109.1, please let us know. I know someone was. Yes, so yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah. Until then, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to hear more of our work, you can find us at soundcloud.com slash you scared of this, where you can listen to all of our back catalog. 
Check out the Freighties. Listen to the first episode of Season 5. Go listen to all the other weird shit that we've reviewed. If you want to join the conversation, you can follow us at facebook.com slash this. Yep. If you want to send us any information on weird Are You Afraid of the Dark fan films, that's where you do it. You can follow us on Twitter at this. And of course, uh, if you are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, any fine podcasting service, check us out there. Leave us a rating and review. It helps grow the podcast. Did I forget anything? No. Are we good? Are we I, done? I hereby declare this episode of You Scared of This closed. The preceding podcast was a presentation of the New World Order. <laughs>